Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, I'm Andy Gathman here with my brother Tom Gathman, and uh, it's midweek, and uh, here we are midway through the season, uh, four games in. Uh, with wait, wait, four wait, 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 midway? What? We're at midway. We are- midway. Would you say it was something like the Battle of Midway at this point the, in time? The, the Iowa game is the Battle of Midway? I mean... Kind of well is. Be. It kind yeah. of is. Because, you know, as I sit here and realize what was actually happening prior to the Battle of Midway. You mean I like don't... the real Battle of Midway? The, In... the yeah. one, the uh-huh. one and only Battle of Midway. Which, which I just, uh, I watched that movie with my son recently. The original or the new one? No, the new one. Uh, and how did you... He, w- he won't watch anything that's like older than like six months old. Like Which... <laughs> You know, when we were kids, our father totally know, made us watch all kinds of things. But he yeah. he made me, and when made I was a kid, us. you know, thirty years ago, I was I was seven years old. I'm sure at age like ten is probably when he tried to introduce or older introduce wartime movies to me. But yeah, the battle. Like, do you remember like Patton or whatever, or like the Bridge Over the River Kwai? Or yeah, like totally. all those. But the Battle like, of Midway. What was are you one doing? Yeah, <laughs> why would you make me watch this? Like m- baloney, grousing all the way through. Ew! It. <laughs> is this black and white? Terrible, you know. But but um, but yeah. but we we learned a lot uh, uh, historically through through movies when we were younger. Sure. And the Battle yeah, of Midway like, was him, one of I'll them. I'll make him watch the the movie. Well, no, won't make him. We'll watch a movie, and like eventually he'll like grudgingly come down because like you know what's he going to do if he can't put his eyeballs in front of a screen, but yeah, you know, and Same. grudgingly Same. appreciate them sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I did. But I anyway, mean, Battle of Midway. So I watched that movie with him recently. It was, you know, I thought it was good and helped me learn a little bit about that, you know, particular. Did you uh, not know prior to that movie? I, I, I feel like I can always learn more. I, I watched recently uh, the the great Ken Burns documentary, The War, which I, I remember telling you about. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've seen that. It was a great – it was like an eight-part, ten-part documentary on World War II. Amazing. Um, also recently um, listened to the podcast that you introduced me to, um, Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. Yeah. And I'm a big he's, fan of had, the Hardcore History. Yeah. He, he's in the middle of um, – Supernova of the East, which is really about the war in the Pacific and the rise of Japan. Um, so, I mean, so I'm I, I'm Who's familiarizing in the myself with. What you say? Who you no, said? I, he's in the middle, or you uh, are Dan Carlin. Oh, the Dan podcaster. is in the middle. Dan Carlin's in the yeah. Middle. He's okay. <laughs> my friend, Dan Carlin. <laughs> no, he's in the middle. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but which, by the way, like when we were starting that podcast, I was comparing, uh, you know, our you know, comments and and ratings to to other podcasts that I listen to, and like you know, it's a couple hundred, a couple thousand. Dan Carlin has like forty five thousand, you know, likes or whatever. He is and the he's pinnacle. Like a, he's the pinnacle of historical podcasting. He's good. Anyway, so, so we are um, on a tangent. Anyway, but we're gonna get to the point. <laughs> super duper tangent. Yeah. But anyway, midway. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was a great movie and helped me kind of learn a little bit more about it. Um, critical, critical um, turning point. In that was unforeseen, the the unforeseen to the um, 
to, to the United States at the time, to the Japanese at the time. Basically, the U.S. got lucky in turning the tide of the war in a critical error made by the enemy. Um, yeah, I mean, and of course they were, you know, they were scrapping and fighting and, and stuff. But yeah, the, they they didn't have uh, a lot going for them. Um, but it ended up being not only was it the middle way between Hawaii and uh, and Asia, but it was also sort of that turning point in the war that that started to turn things in the in the favor of the U.S. Um, maybe. Hey, maybe. Maybe this is our maybe, midway. Maybe. Maybe it's our midway. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I but, just thought of um, <laughs> Dirty Rock. Not oh, uh, Three Amigos <laughs> when um, Chevy Chase and, and Steve Martin. <laughs> And Martin Short, and like they give this, uh, <laughs> the speech right when they're about the village is about to fight El Guapo, and and he's like, and we all each have our personal El Guapos, <laughs> and like it's this like motivational speech right before they're about to like get killed. So yeah, I mean we're probably it's a bit of a stretch to take a crucial. I mean, we we gotta get really lucky. We don't (laughs) don't know. Nobody knew that the Battle of Midway was gonna go our way. The point is, (laughs) we also don't know what's gonna happen to to you know with this Iowa game coming up. Um, But here's what I will say. Um, I will say that I poured a nice tall glass of bourbon for this uh, podcast because (laughs) if I have to get through one more podcast where I lie to the listeners about how I know we can win this game, I swear to you, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like... Uh, I'll, I'll repeat it. You know, the last podcast this is a very interesting time to, to have started a podcast about Penn State football from a fan perspective, not an oh analytic gosh. perspective from a fan perspective, because we just want Penn State to win so bad. And we'll tell you how they can, but we can't do it for them and we can't promise you it's going to happen. So anyways, Andy, how are you? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, mm, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's I'm fine. Hump day. <laughs> yeah. <Good week. laughs> I'm fine now. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, get this back it, on the rails. This is uh, this is one uh, fun little slice of life that that is totally disconnected from everything else that I'm doing. So yeah, it's been a busy week and a lot of stuff going on. But I'm 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 excited to kind of dive in a little bit and you know um, think about what hope we have for a, a different turn of events. So so here's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to uh, look into some of the, the news and updates about the team. Um, we're going to take some time to just tr- try to look at Iowa as a team and what they're going to present to us. Um, and then we'll uh, finish up talking about sort of what we think we need to see out of Penn State to um, – yeah, to, to come away with a, a positive result, maybe our first win of the season, uh, or, you know, uh, on the other hand, if we don't see it uh, continuing more of the same. So, and, the, you know, unfortunately, Iowa, and we'll get into this in a moment, Iowa's a team that's um, that's playing well right now, and, and they're not going to just roll over on us. Penn State's going to actually have to ha- play the kind of game that they haven't played yet, which is mistake-free uh, sharp football. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a moment. First, Tom, um, we've got some news and updates. And again, uh, this week, uh, we have the benefit of, um, you know, having uh, 
the, the press conference on Tuesday um, and hearing from uh, from Coach Franklin. And, you know, I think the big question on everyone's mind, certainly on my mind, is uh, who is going to be the starter this week? And um, we did not get an answer from Coach Franklin. Nope. Um, I think, you know, you alluded uh, as we were discussing throughout the day and week about why we haven't heard if Will Levis is going to be the starting quarterback yet or not. And I think there's a couple elements at work there. One is apparently the, as you said to me, um, the Tuesday press conference and the Tuesday or the Monday depth chart is not so much a look forward depth chart as it is like what just happened in the game uh, over the weekend depth chart. Yeah, so Sean Clifford is listed as the number one quarterback on that depth chart when it was released on Monday. And yeah, then again, when when Franklin was asked about it, he sort of was like, well, we're not going to talk about who the starter is right now. <laughs> sure. So... Um, so, well, another, and so, yeah, we, we don't, we don't know yet, but that could also play into the, the hand of Will Levis being that maybe the, um, maybe the Iowa team isn't sure who to prepare for yet, because according to Kirk Ferentz from his, uh, press conference on Tuesday, he said verbatim, you know, we fully expect to see Clifford as the starter. Um, Yeah. And he actually had some really complimentary things to say about Clifford, who I guess was actively and strongly recruited by Iowa. So Kirk Ferentz seemed to know Clifford pretty well and made a little joke about him, like uh, basically ignoring Iowa as soon as Penn State showed interest, but up till then was pretty excited about oh, I Iowa. Mean, I mean, uh, Clifford was his very first Power 5 summer camp like um, that he went to was with Iowa. So like yeah, so so interesting parents, that he's, they were interested in him before, not necessarily before Penn State was, but Clifford showed up to their camp. Um, yeah, he, so so he's highly regarded, at least you know by uh, according to Kirk Ferentz in his press conference. And you know, I sort of wondered like, okay, what mind games are they doing there in terms of like, you know, trying to get inside Clifford's head if he's going to be on the bench, or trying to get inside Will Levis's head, you know, but, or is it just sort of like coach speak and like sort of being respectful and, and whatnot? So, um, yeah, but so, so it's really hard to say, you know, when we uh, did our post game, you and I both felt pretty convinced that, that Will Levis was going to be the starter. And, uh, right. you know, do you still feel that way? I mean, I, quite frankly, I still feel like if, if <laughs> there better be something astronomical that we don't know about that would keep Will Levis from being the starting quarterback. But but strangely enough, m- my brain goes to um, what what's going like you can't just write Sean Clifford off. You know, like as much as we would love to see Will Levis go out and, and start and then have an all-world game and lead us to victory, I you can't count on that. And you still need to have two quarterbacks, if not a third quarterback, in the right headspace ready to rock. So, I, you know, if I'm the coaches, I still feel like I've really got to... Really got to keep Clifford's head in the game here because you never know. You never know. Yeah, I mean... Um, uh, but I Jason hope it's Luketa, Will Levis starting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason Luketa, um had some comments uh, about 
Sean Clifford and about how, you know, Clifford's still our team captain, which is like, oh, yeah. I mean, your team captain QB1 just got benched, right? Like, right. Uh, but but Lucada's like, he's our, he's our captain regardless. Um, and and I expect him to be a team leader regardless of, of you know, what happens with that. So, you know, I thought that was interesting. And, and again, what kind of leadership is Clifford going to show whether he's um, starting or on the bench? Um, you know, what's going through his head? Uh, is a really is a really good question. How the coach is going to handle it in practice? You know, we were talking about how you know some of the issues around um, red zone incompletions might have been a result of of Levis not getting first team reps, right? So yeah. it, it, you know, y- you do hope if if they're thinking he's going to start, he's going to get a lot more reps. But then what does that do to Clifford? And Clifford's watching someone else take his reps, and you know, it, it's. Uh, well, it's, cr- you know, it's going to be an interesting situation for the team and for Sean Clifford to manage. It's interesting because, you know, we don't even know how much time Kirk Shiraka has had in person with any of these dudes. You know, the, 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 the media hasn't had the exposure to the team that the media is accustomed to because of COVID and, and social distancing and various protocols relating to all that. But so, so the media doesn't know what they don't know. And now the, we don't know what the coaches know about these players because we don't know how often they've been able to, um, to meet. And in fact, Andy did, what was it like last week? We meant to tell everybody that, uh, after the Maryland loss, the team, I think it was on Sunday after the loss, the team for the first time since um, they were able to start practicing. It's the first time the entire team actually met together in person at Haluba Hall. Isn't that just bizarre? Because they can't, they can't, they can't like, right. um, Well, right. It's risky to gather in in large groups, right? They gather in smaller groups and and only like wear masks and social distance. And so how do you practice properly like that? And so anyways, the point is that, that what, like whatever bond that Kirk Shiraka has forged with um, Sean Clifford, you know, how much of a bond, if it wasn't, if the quarterback whisper aspect with Sean Clifford didn't click when Sean Clifford's getting the majority of the first um, team reps, how much quarterback whispering can Kirk Shiraka do to a get Will Levis on, on the right page with him to win a game and B keep Sean Clifford, who you already haven't been able to get going keep his head in the game it's just very so yeah, because of... between between covid and having a big um you know running quarterback who's who's you know obviously very physical and wants to right, run the ball right right like but like you know it doesn't take much to take a quarterback out of the game you know if you just land hard on the shoulder or you know concussion or whatever i mean clifford really he's he could be even if, if he's on the bench to start, he could be one snap away. He was out of the Ohio State game last, last absolutely. year. Absolutely, right? Will so had to come tab- tables could turn. Totally. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that also reminds me, we were talking about, um, you know, one of the first articles on Sean Clifford um, all the way back in 2018 after he sort of lit up um, yeah. uh, you know, was the, the stat game. book it, with, it a was, lo- with the yeah. longest pass play. Um, you know, in, in Penn State history, um, th- there was a really revealing um, article just about like Clifford's character and ambitions and um, rem- remind me some of the things you were telling me about. Well, well, so Mark, article. Mark, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly um, and I apologize if I'm not, but Mark Wogenrich um, from at the time he was with The Morning Call. 
Yeah, um, who, by the way, is definitely one of my favorite writers on the yeah, page. Yeah, and he, he, and he, he works really for- has. If you ever seen anything with his byline, I, it's probably a good quality article there. Yeah, he's working for Sports Illustrated uh, uh, these days, and he's still writing quality. Um, and we're not, by the way, we're not, we're definitely not journalists. So we're happy to <laughs> share some things that other journalists write, and, and then to comment on them. We're we're into the we're in the commentary game. We're not into the at least we're not yet in the journalism. Yeah, we're not game. doing the hard news. Yeah, you got a job. I don't. You know, we're doing stuff. <laughs> well, maybe you should get on that, Tom. <laughs> uh, maybe. So, ba- but basically, what what it what did it? Um, I mean, it it was a an article highlighting how much of a competitor Sean Clifford was. But but basically, it it came to light how much of a um, competitor he was after he had he was like four for four for you know I think over a hundred yards, definitely over a hundred yards because one of those passes was for ninety five yards to Daniel George for the longest pass play in P- Penn State history. Um, and by the way, they, the two of them have not replicated any of that kind of possible, uh, connection since then, more or less. Not so far. Yeah. But, but, but basically in a, in an off season workout, um, Sean Clifford was, was in the, in the gym lifting and, and, or whatever, during one of his workouts, he got all ticked off that he messed up one of the workouts and like, punched a wall or something or punched something and broke his hand and the coach, oh, the man. coaches were i mean that's like so that was just highlighting the 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 fiery competitor and it's like, like um, get things and, right andy from the office when he punches the wall and that's right. to go to anger management right. well <laughs> yeah. well so so basically the story that story was told by franklin in in you know back before he you know he he told this story in a press conference when he doesn't talk about a injuries or b underclassmen too much, true, um, especially non-starters. But he basically wanted to highlight that hey, and this is by the way, this was still when uh, Trace McSorley was on the team, and it was when Tommy Stevens was the second string quarterback. So he was third string, and he's talking about his third string quarterback at the time. So he wanted to highlight one um, that hey, you don't don't punch don't don't punch a weight bench. <laughs> And two, <laughs> good Cliff, tip. that Clifford burns with ambition, you know. So, yeah. so, that, so at an early point in his, you know, career at Penn State, he was he wanted to win and he wanted to be the guy, and he he was doing every he was a he was a you know a tactician. He was trying to be perfect. I think even DeAndre Hopkins, uh, sorry, excuse me, DeAndre Tompkins, uh, the wide receiver for Penn State a few years back. He talked about how you could just tell this guy was was eager to be perfect. He was just trying trying like heck, um, and and then there were all these other things. Basically, just that you know he won a state title. He uh, in high school at, in Cincinnati, um, and just that he's he his he he has high expectations of himself. He even was quoted as saying, "We want to be a playoff team in the few in the very near future." So it's just, you know, I Yeah, so this is the guy that um not only who is who has benched uh before the uh end of the half um last game, but who we're expecting is now demoted uh to backup quarterback. And so again, how how's that gonna affect his mentality? Um, you know, he's still a team leader. He was elected captain by by his teammates. Um, you know, what's that gonna do to him? And 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 definitely, you know, uh, it'll be a real test of character for him to 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 stay focused and to stay positive and to stay supportive of um, not just Will Levis but the rest of the team as, as they as they go along. I mean, how how 
how would you feel if you know you're the the third string quarterback you know back in 2018 and through the first four games of the season your passer rating is 582.1 <laughs> you know with with the with the oh State man longest pass play longest pass play I, I and touchdown pretty in good about Penn State my, history uh, I mean, that's just like pretty good about my future. Right. So so I'm just the headspace. I don't want to get too far into just Clifford talk here. But sure. But man, what what a he had such high expectations. And I think the coaches did, too. I mean, you even said to to me, you know, if you if I recall, you know, if we recall how during the work up to the season that Kirk Scirocco was glowing about what um, what he was doing, his preparation, his ability you know, all yeah, his seems leadership. Like all the, He's a team captain for crying out loud. He, yeah, it seems like all the stuff appointed. behind the scene, the the work ethic, the the ambition, the drive, the the leadership stuff, the, all that stuff seems like it's been there. It doesn't seem like anyone has any questions about that. It's just the execution on field has been so, you know, shockingly abysmal. Uh, you know, not even like at his worst from last year, but way worse than the worst from last year to the point where he said, sorry, we can't keep going with you. Let's put it so, this way. Let's put it this way. You know, we have been for this, you know, maybe since the Minnesota game last year, but definitely this season, we have been talking about his, um, I guess, Indiana, his his accuracy was pretty good, but I think his confidence, confidence has certainly been shook since yeah. then. Yeah. But his accuracy has been abysmal this season. Abysmal. Just yeah. the worst passes in the worst places at the worst times. But guess what? In what I forget what uh, year it was. I think I think it was um, in 2016, the 2016 Elite Eleven Quarterback Competition, which is a national quarterback camp. Right, it's the Elite Eleven, like the best quarterbacks in the country, go to a camp and compete against each other. And guess what? Sean Clifford was won the most accurate award back then. So it's not like the ability's not there. It's not like this kid just. He doesn't have the the foundation to be a great quarterback. We've seen the flashes. It's just he hasn't been able to take it to the next step. And here we are in a full-blown quarterback conundrum, quarterback battle, quarterback controversy. You know, and and mind you, this is Franklin's first actual quarterback like change in his career. In his career at That's Penn true. State. Maybe his career at yeah. Vanderbilt too. But he's never had to switch a quarterback. Um, the only time he had was like trying to make a decision. It was like Tommy Stevens or Sean Clifford, but then Tommy Stevens left. So there was no decision. There was no really interesting. Um, you know, and and I think probably the right one, at least to go with Levis last game, I I would, I I would still be really surprised if I didn't see number seven out there, uh, on the first series. Um, so, so that's okay. So I think we've uh, beat that horse quite dead. Oh, we'll do it again, I'm sure, depending oh, no on how the game, <laughs> the game turns uh, yeah, out right. this week. Um, so a couple other, just a couple other quick things coming out of the uh, the news conference. Um, it, there was some talk about the offensive line, and um, again, Franklin wasn't naming starters, but reading between the lines, it seemed to me that um, Caden Wallace has locked up the starting right tackle spot and that um you know will fries has been uh, moved into the to the right guard and and i will say um the o-line seemed to do a little better now again how good is nebraska's uh defense great you know they haven't rated very well um and they gave up 500 yards against us even though um they ended up 
uh, beating us. But um, we'll see. I, I was going to present a really different challenge um, compared to Nebraska, but um, it's it looks like we've got perhaps um, uh, settled on a on an offensive line that's been struggling to to get their chemistry. Fingers crossed. Oh Andy, man, fingers right, crossed. totally. Um, even that, even in 2016, we had a makeshift offensive line for the majority of the year. And they were able to like figure out like holding you know putting pieces together with like string and yarn yeah, and like totally. twist ties and floss, but uh, it worked to a degree. If you can just find it good enough, like give just give these guys another couple of seconds or something. Yeah, we got we got to do anything we can at this point. Um, so so we'll see with with that. You know, we we felt like this O line would be a real strength coming into the season. Hasn't yet been. Um, it'd be nice if they find well, that chemistry. New offensive uh, line coach. Yep. Yeah, I which, mean that's the that's the that's the story of this uh, off season kind of now in retrospect through four games. Yeah. You know, the, we're trying to answer this question of why we're zero and four, Andy. But I, I think it's really getting glaringly obvious that if you don't have the time to spend with your coaches in person, with all the players and all the all the different units being able to practice together and find the timing and get the techniques down and the different schemes and the different. It's, it's nearly impossible. I mean, and Franklin came out in his presser this week and said, hey, you know, it is what it is. You know, <laughs> this, this is where we are. Like, yeah, it's not an excuse, but here's here's the problem. And, and the problem he's highlighting is that, like, you know, this is the worst possible season in our lifetime that you could have a major coaching turnover. And we have a major coaching turnover um, during the pandemic. And it's, if, you know, if Franklin could go back and, and, and like, you know, foresee this um, pandemic, maybe he wouldn't let go of Ricky Ronnie. Maybe he wouldn't let go of his offensive line coach. Maybe he wouldn't let go. Or maybe, maybe, I mean, he wouldn't, our defensive line coach left, but still the point is, you know, maybe we hang on to our wide receivers coach. Maybe who knows? Like, yeah, I, don't I mean, know. in a lot of ways, it's, it was a, definitely a bit of a perfect storm, right? Um, oh, you know, be, oh, right? Yeah. between um, you know the the not you know losing spring practice, losing fall camp with uh, brand new coaches, then losing some of your key leaders on offense and defense, um, not having in person meetings with those people. Um, I I was. Um, talking to a colleague, and um, he just started a, a job um, where he's working with like you know sixty churches in the area and providing support to them. Um, and he's starting during pandemic. He can't meet with anyone in person, and so he's like trying to get to know people over Zoom, you know, over social media and stuff like that. And like, it's nice that you get to do this, but you don't, you can't establish rapport very easily with people. It's one thing when you already know people and then the zoom allows that relationship to continue. But like, I don't even like being on the phone with someone, let alone zooming with someone. Right. Like, and so no, nobody's to, truly try present to like start a relationship things. that way. Right. Yeah. There's no yeah, connection. Hard, You're, right. Yeah. Like I'm weird. barely, I'm barely present with you right now. I'm like having, we're a on Squadcast. No, all right. We're, we're, I'm looking squad at you, cast. looking at me, looking at you, looking at me, but I don't feel like we're in the same room having this like camaraderie. And, you know, I've, we got to talk together and in fact, we did what for our first game week, yeah, uh, le- yeah. pre game week leading up that we were able to do it in person. It was great. And, and, um, 
you know, yeah, so, there's, so there's, there's, some, something... there's a better product that's going to come from people being able to, to look you directly in the eyes because there's some sort of like accountability that is like, you know, an unspoke, an unwritten rule of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm putting forth like true 100 percent focus and effort here because you're right there and I'm right here. Sure. You know, and, and the truth is like teams all across the country are dealing with that. But what's unique to Penn State is they're trying to establish and begin relationships, key relationships between coaches and players. You know, we we, we talked right? about so so it's just so hard to begin that relationship and get to know someone and really get a feel for someone and like so you know I, I again that that perfect we storm sound really... like some James Franklin apologist fan uh, club yeah but but re- the reality is there there's something to that and it's not just like oh James Franklin forgot how to coach no right no he didn't forget how to coach. You know, he, he he's struggling with having relationships forged between new coaches and his players. Yeah, I, you know, and certainly part of what this kind of crisis does is it exacerbates or amplifies what's already there. Right. And, you know, so what's already there uh, at Penn State, you know, th- there have been some weaknesses in the past and, and we've all. You know, people have talked about that. And so some of those are being amplified. But the other thing is specific to this current context, which is, you know, establishing rapport among a new and now very young team with new coaches. And that's really amplified. It's so much harder to do that well when you don't have the chance to do that in person over six or eight months um, that you would have been able to do. Andy, it's funny that you should mention, you know, the perfect storm because uh you know we just say the perfect storm but like what really is a perfect storm and you know we the the movie the perfect storm there's i pulled up while you were while you were blabbering on <laughs> oh thanks for paying attention <laughs> <laughs> i pulled up <laughs> a quote from the 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 perfect storm and if you haven't seen that movie um it's mark Wahlberg. mark Wahlberg, george clooney um uh, Diane Lane, among uh, I think John C. Riley is in it as well. Um, oh man, yeah. Do you know he was part of the Pasadena Little League when I was out in grad school, and he That's would awesome. announce he would announce the the baseball games. That's so awesome. It was, it was cool. <laughs> so wait, were you involved in Little League? My son was. Your son was in Little League. Back. Okay, my cool. son was in. Li- I would just go okay. hang out at the Little League I field randomly. No, I don't remember how old. <laughs> Watch the called. little kid. No, yeah, my son was in Little League. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, cool. and John just C. Riley out like, there screaming. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> yeah. Slide, slide. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, back anyway. on back on track here. Back on track, which the is off storm. track. The perfect storm. Um, uh, it's a good movie. It's. I don't think it's a true story by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> if it is. You know, by I apologize for being wrong on that, but here we go. So this is a quote from The Perfect Storm. It says, and I'm going to do my, my best Massachusetts accent. It's going to oh be awful, gosh. but I'm going to go for it anyway. <laughs> do it. Okay. I've never really tried, especially on a stage. All right. We got Hurricane Grace moving north off the Atlantic seaboard. Huge, getting massive to this low south of Sable Island, ready to explode. Look at this. Three, a fresh cold front swooping down from Canada, but it's caught a ride in the jet stream. It is motoring hellbent towards uh, the Atlantic. What if Hurricane Grace runs smack into it? Add to that, add to the scenario this baby off of Sable Island, scrounging for energy. She'll start feeding off both the, the Canadian cold front and Hurricane Grace. You could be a meteorologist all your life and never see something like this. It would be a disaster of epic proportions. It would be 
the perfect storm. <laughs> it is. It is a perfect storm. So that's what we got here. We got. I'm sorry. I'm you yelling. Be, I apologize. You could we be a meteorologist your whole life yeah. and never see anything like this. That's, you I could be like a Penn world. State football fan your whole life and not see Penn State go 0-5 until it happens, oh, which man. has the ability to happen this year. And it's oh. never happened before in Penn State mm-hmm. football history because we have the perfect storm of crap happening to us right now. So, okay, well... Oh, man, I'm worked up. Yeah. <laughs> How was well, my accent? Was that any... <laughs> That was it was spectacular. I think okay. you should we should definitely submit this uh, I have some to, to talent agencies. I have a Boston, uh, not Boston Center City, but like a, a <laughs> suburb of Boston, a firefighter buddy who, which by the way, you and I stayed at his house on our way back from Mount Katahdin last year. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, he he's a firefighter in in the Boston uh, suburbs, and he has a legit, nice. <laughs> you know, Bostonian accent, awesome. and I'm sure he would rip that accent i'm sure he would attempt apart <clears throat> that's so, awesome <laughs> bring us back please it, yeah yeah so uh the perfect storm uh during the battle of midway <laughs> yeah and um, at sea <laughs> and, it, and, and it's by the way it's veterans week our grandfather was served out in in the, the solomon islands in the south pacific so thanks uh grandfather gathman for serving out in the solomon islands we got a trifecta of uh whatever we're blabbering yeah, what, about right I now think we've derailed nailed it <laughs> <laughs> so um but anyway yeah so that we got the perfect storm um in midway through the season and um the storm leads us to this conflict uh this battle with iowa uh, Iowa, who um, historically has been a real uh, challenge every time Penn State deeper. has played, is a difficult team. Um, you know, there are a couple of streaks on the line here with this game. Yeah, that's that's we that's got true. we got right now a six-game win streak going against Iowa that goes all the way back to 2010. What that means is James Franklin has never lost to Kirk Ferentz. Um, Not bad. We also, Kirk Ferentz, by the way, is the <laughs> longest tenured coach in all of college football at this point, which used to reside uh, on the Penn State uh-huh. and the Lions sideline for many, many Valley, years. Uh, point of pride, yeah, but now sure. it's Kirk, Kirk Ferentz's uh, title to 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 hold on to as long as he possibly can. And so we also have um, a, a Penn State win streak uh, at home. We haven't lost at home versus Iowa since two thousand nine. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've got, we, and they're, they've always been a tough out for us. They, I think the, the overall record is we're 17 wins to their 12 losses. Yeah. But even those wins have, most of them have been uh, hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, specifically the, the one we lost six to four back in, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I think that was 2004. I could be wrong. I'll, well, there was a, the there was a period in there too, where from, from 2000 to 2010, where we only won one time against yeah. Iowa. It was one it and eight during bad. those years. It was so, bad. So we flipped the script on... Do you, do you remember that the reason we... Like the, like Joe Paterno was a driving force for instant replay on the field. And if you recall, it was like a Tony Johnson catch along the sideline in a, in a losing effort against Iowa back in like, I want to say 2003, maybe 2000... Wait, hold on. When... Yeah, 2003, after Larry Johnson left and Tony Johnson, his younger brother, was still around. And we, it was like an overtime game that 
Tony Johnson caught the ball along the sideline to like extend the game or something like that. And like Joe was screaming at the officials as they left the field, like just ripping them a new one. And that, that game is like, charged as one of the driving forces of having instant replay yeah now we so, like so iowa interesting because like yeah. now we complain about instant replay like, oh right. man another yeah. replay well it was it was a, it had a crucial yeah. played crucial roles in, in some losses that we had and yeah, one of them sure. being to iowa so um you know so those streaks those winning streaks um are 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 coming up against Penn State's four-game losing streak that we're on yeah. right now and so this is a, a something's got to give kind of game either we're going Again, to for the second week overcome our losing streak right we're either going to overcome our losing streak or um we're and and keep that um win streak alive or that that six game win streak is going to come to an end a sad and untimely end no doubt so yeah. um so so this Iowa team uh, they're, they're always a tough team um they, they play like classic midwestern football um, and um, I mean, they are classic Midwestern football. Like they, that's true. they define they it. Define it. <laughs> they might be like the picture in the dictionary of classic Midwestern blue collar, grinded out. Um, they don't beat themselves typically. So, you know, of course, you can find the outliers in, with any team, but like you know, this this team is quintessential Iowa this year yeah what they, they're doing so far and they're that, just starting to get their footing on their season right right now. they they started off slow they started off with two losses they started 0-2 and you know there was a lot of turmoil in the oh, Iowa yeah there was some Hawkeye. off-season uh they, they had jettison their um strength and conditioning coach there was yeah, a lot of some, like racial um situations yeah, some, some racism there. uh accusations yeah. thrown around there was definitely a lot of um, so people were coming after Kirk Ferentz, like you know, hey, he's past his prime. He doesn't get it anymore. He's yeah. the game a lot of discontent from their team. A lot of players yeah. sending letters. Former, former players, players. Former players. Um, you know, and, and like that so was definitely something. So to start zero and two, to start zero and two, that yeah. doesn't. That, I mean, hot seat immediately. But that, but since then, two and zero, and looking strong in those two victories since then. Yep, they. Re, they Iowa seems to have remembered who they are. Um, and, um, you know, now they're coming in and, um, you know, they're ready to feast. <laughs> um, you know, Kirk Ferentz, uh, gave, uh, sort of like a, a backhanded compliment, uh, about Penn State, you know, when he was asked like, oh, do you, do you think you guys are, are going to, you know, sleep on, on Penn State? You know, they're an 0-4 team and, you know, are you surprised as we are that they're that? And like Kirk Ferentz is like, have, have you seen the tape? These are, this is a great team. Like, I, you know. Anyone who thinks this is an 0 4 team, uh, that means that, you know, that they're a terrible team. It doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, you know. <laughs> that's funny. You should say backhanded compliment because yeah. Scott Frost also dished out and right. uh, a, a I, backhanded I wanted compliment. to mention that last time. Yeah. Well, so basically, <laughs> oh, he said, he said, that's the best 0 4 team I've ever played. <laughs> And it's like, hey, thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> like, I mean, but you're, they're you're the best boss wrong. that ever got fired I've ever had. <laughs> they're not wrong thanks. in the sense that, like, right. this team is potentially ready to pop off at any given time. It's just, you know, let's let me let me paint you this picture for a second. Yeah. Well, last look, year, Ferent said, let me just, Ferent said, uh, this team is going to click, and when they do, watch out. I just hope they don't 
do it this week, you know. <laughs> I right, hope right, it's not right. this week. So they're well, going to so want to catch us while we're down and 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 well, you know get well, yeah, another shot in on us. We've been embarrassing them um, for several years now, and, and some some they've lost some close, heartbreaking games. You know, the Jawan Johnson uh, walk off touchdown in in two thousand seventeen. I was actually I was in um, Bishop, California. I was through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. I'd already hiked, you know, two thousand miles from Canada going south, and I and I I beat a snowstorm. Not I didn't beat it. The snowstorm beat me, but I got off trail and hitchhiked into Bishop North or excuse me Bishop, California, and uh, stayed at a hotel so I could watch the Iowa game. I made the bartender put this game on and nobody else in the whole bar gave a <laughs> flying, you know what about Penn state football or even Iowa for that matter. But I, I watched it intently the entire time with all the rest of my hiking buddies were just watching whatever. And I, I, I have the video my buddy like started record my buddy. who's a Wisconsin Badger graduate. Um, he's recording the end of the game when I think we're going to lose. Oh, and Trace yeah. McSorley's throws the dart across the middle of the field you know, and Jawan Johnson defenders and, career, and like, Hamilton almost like breaks it up too. Oh, right. So, you know, so it yeah. was a crazy play and I just scream. Yeah. And I'm running down the whole bars. Like, like, five five nobody else all, cares about nobody's this. like, what, what? So anyways, you know, we, they've lost some heartbreakers to yeah. us. Yeah. You know, games that have made me have that kind of a reaction Imagine the other side of the reaction with the t- actual players on the team. Like you know, they, th- these re- these are recruits at this point that that were in the organization back then. Um, but you know, they remember that and they want payback. We've blown them out a, a time or two since then as well. So uh, you know, last year was a was a was a close game as well. Correct. You know, Noah Kane was the, was our savior last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he so, really so, was. You know, and they, we don't have our savior again. Yeah, a couple, you know? a couple times in the last few meetings, they they came close to knocking us off. Um, you know, I, I know we felt like the game was in doubt. Uh, you know, a few times recently, including that 2017 game. So, you know, they're they're going to come in um, sharp, disciplined. You know, ready to show us how the game of football is supposed to be played. Um, well, now, so so Kirk Ferentz, by the way, getting back to Kirk Ferentz real quick, he 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 mentioned uh, in you know when you know saying you know Penn State's zero four, how is this possible? What kind of team are they? Blah blah. blah. Um, he referenced Northwestern being undefeated in four and zero this year. He's like Northwestern was one and eight last year, like uh, in the Big Ten. That's a you good know? point. <laughs> like, what do you what what, what do you hi, what do you make of Northwestern being four and And this isn't Northwestern was pathetic this isn't last year. Four and cupcakes pre conference slate. This is conference slate Northwestern. Yeah. You know, typically Northwestern goes four and in the non conference. You know, right, slate. and then tanks during the and then the they 10. just flip the script and blow for yeah. the next. However, you know, they go on a six game losing streak. Right, but this is conference play. Opening the season, Northwestern 4-0. There's no one on planet Earth who could point to Northwestern doing that this season, coming out of the pandemic uh, on a 1-8 and conference slate last year. Like, how do you explain that? Well, so you it's know, just and, like, you know, getting back to that. When perfect... Franklin says it is what it is. Right. How the, what do you, there's almost no explanation at a certain point. Well, and, and getting back to that perfect storm analogy, you know, like you've got crew on that boat in the, you know, if they survive, 
the storm. Like they they yeah. will have learned and come together in a way that is uh, unlike anything else. They will have and bonded. Fra- and, 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 and Frank you know, who, said as much. Right. And and maybe that's part of what you're seeing with Northwestern is they like, you know, they were they got through it and now it's finally coming together for them this year. Um, you know, again, we're only halfway through, so they can hey. still pull a Northwestern. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, what part of what the, the team is playing for, um, besides just pride, which of course you're always praying, playing for in hey, some pride, respect. Pride but is a real thing. I'm not, not saying the, it's not. Not in the negative sense either. Not the, no, the yeah. pride that makes you like you know be a horrible person. It's the pride of fighting, you know, standing up, trying and to do your best, through, and, yeah, and show who yeah. you really are. Right. So, um, but in addition to that, it's the 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 work of, of of you know discovering who you are as a team and laying the foundation for what the future could be. So um, you know so. Speaking of perfect storm, Iowa is going to be a really, really significant test because what Iowa is going to do is they are going to play mistake-free football. They're going to play tough football. They're not going to do anything that's funky or crazy or tricky. They're just going to like man on man try to you know try to out tough you, out football you, and you know the kinds of things that Penn State's been doing up to this point, the penalties, the mistakes, the mental lapses, like those are the things that um, you know I was just gonna grind you down to a nub and finally put you out of your misery at the end. And if Penn State's going to beat this team, they're gonna have to it's gonna show that they've actually, uh, grown and developed and 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 perhaps turned a corner. But before we get to that, let's just let's talk a little bit about this Iowa team. You know, there, there's actually not there are not a lot of stars. There's not a lot of headliners. You know, um, you know, uh, they're uh, the quarterback that that we've been talking about for a couple of years, Nate Stanley. He's now gone. Um, and you've got a guy that looks a lot like Nate Stanley at quarterback. His name is uh, what Spencer Petrus. Spencer Petras, if we're pronouncing that incorrectly, we're Petrus. sorry. We're not. Yeah, Petras. Petras. No, it's Spencer <laughs> Petras. I'm sure, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, he's he's not he's not lighting it up. You know, I would he, say not. He, I think he has worse numbers than uh, than Sean Clifford, technically, um, at least in terms of production. Um, Sean has way more turnovers. But he he has more turn he has more interceptions than than touchdowns. I'll give you his his numbers real quick are 759 passing yards, 53 percent completion rate, and three touchdowns to four interceptions. So he's not lighting it up. But no. guess what? In in a Kirk Ferentz you know offense, especially one like this year, they're they're trying to hand the ball off. They're trying to probably play some play action pass off of. Um, you know th- this this staunch stout running game because they got two they got two running backs that are that are averaging over you know six six they're averaging six yards or more per carry and they're both over two hundred plus yards uh, I think it's um, you have Makai Sargent the the uh, second string running back who has thirty three rushes for two hundred eight yards six point three yard average. Uh, he's got four TDs as the second string through four games. Not too bad, really. Right. <laughs> you know, and then Tyler Goodson's running the ball with authority right now. He's got 375 rushing yards. He's got a six six average, 71 yard long, and five touchdowns so far. And they're like they're basically, you know, 
these numbers are coming from these last two games, you know, their victories rather than their their two losses more so. So they're just getting going. And that means that they're probably their offensive line is just getting going. And one thing about Iowa is their offensive line typically has like one um, you know, pretty solid dude. Um and and you know every once in a while they put they put like a, a, a one or two of their offensive linemen out in the NFL, but um th- you know th- what you can count on from them is an offensive line that plays cohesively and they make lanes and they hold on to blocks and they just gr- they grind a defensive line down and our defensive line has not really been able to be disruptive yet. So this is a t- going to be a big test for our defensive line to go against an offensive line that's very um, talented and and uh, technique um, savvy and play as, as a unit. And um, that's been our, our own personal team's problem on offensive line is not being able to get the running game going consistently because we don't play as a unit. We're just figuring out who our, you know, our starting five are still in through game four. And they, they've got their running backs, uh, you know, churning already. Yeah. Um, so again, it's, we're going to have to play team football. We're going to have to play uh, cohesive football. Um, yeah. Spencer Petrus, you know, he's not on the top of anyone's list. He's, He's tied for a hundredth in terms of passing touchdowns right now, for example. Okay, <laughs> not amazing. Um, no, he wears number seven. By the way, um, he'll be the one they snap the court, the the ball to. <laughs> um, Tyler Goodson, um, yeah, he's number fifteen. He's their number one running back right now. Um, both of their running backs, six point oh yards per carry uh, or above, and that's. I mean, that's a good yards per carry average. And that's like they're they're the two main guys who can't yeah. I mean that's a, look, you're getting six yards on every running play. Like from your, from two of your running backs who are just gonna rotate in and out, just dry, you know, they're gonna grind our defensive line down. Why our, do you even which rotation's gonna be more exhausted, our defensive line or their running backs? Right. Well I mean that like why do you even throw the ball if you're gonna get six yards on every carry? Well I mean, that's where that's the play average, action right? pass comes in. Andy. Exactly. That's where, it's, that's where Petrus has his seven hundred and fifty you know, passing yards is he's catching de- defenses off balance with trying to stack the box to stop the run. And, you know, and as our secondary has proven not to be able to play a sound scheme or a, or, you know, communicate well enough to not leave gaps in coverage. If you're running, if your safeties are creeping into the box, you know, your tight end can go over the middle and get behind your safety and catch one for 20-plus easily. Yeah, well, you know? now the good news um, with Petrus is he 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 hasn't really gotten the long ball going. His average— Not yet. Not yet. But this it, is the Penn State defense that's proven true. That they I mean, can allow teams <laughs> like true. Nebraska oh, to get their passing game yeah. going enough to cause problems. Yeah, so his, his average— Maybe the overall stats passing for Nebraska aren't incredible, but they were still able to be effective to keeping drives alive. Yeah, so he has a passing uh, average of 5.7 yards per— um, I don't know if that's completion or per, per attempt, but— um, Either way. Yeah, it's it's not— <laughs> that's, it, a, that's a first down every other time. Yeah, but, you know, but it's not, you know, it's not like a— you know, Justin Fields kind of thing where he's thrown 20, 30 yards regularly. So, you know, it's going to be a short passing game and a pounding running game. um, And the defense is just going to have to have to man up. They're going to have to play man on man, body on body. And, and um, yeah, 
they're going to have to play mistake free for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I, I I look to for for them to give the ball to Tyler Goodson early and often, and I look for because he's he's an X factor for them, and I think their backup running back is also an X factor for them. Makai Sargent. These guys are are going to make for a long day for our defense if we can't if Brent Pry can't come out <laughs> in the first quarter and figure out how to put his defense in the correct position with the correct scheme to have already game planned for the attack we're about to see. Yeah. Now it look, seems, look, it seems like for the first four weeks, we've just been crossing our fingers on defense and hoping that the game plan that's a base defense type of game plan works across the board for every opponent and so far hasn't seen it. So I really hope he can tailor this defense this week to stopping Iowa's power running game. Well, we, we really better because um, after losing two close games to start the season to um, Purdue and Northwestern, um, they lost those games by a total of five points. They obliterated Michigan State 49-7. to Yeah, that's and, embarrassing because Michigan State was just coming off of beating Michigan, by yeah. the way. And, and then um, last week... They handily beat Minnesota, uh, thirty-five to seven. So it's it's not just on a that Friday they're like, night. Fi- on a Friday night. It's not just that they're finding a way to win games these last two games. They are they are they're rolling clicking. over people. Yeah. So um, it's gonna now be Minnesota, a real now test. Minnesota and Michigan State. You know, you know they they might <laughs> lose out the rest of the season potentially. I mean, Minnesota's bad. They're they're kind of imploding right now. We're not really sure exactly what to to make of them at this point in time. Michigan State, uh, outside of the Michigan win, looks to be completely inept, um, much like Penn State has been. But yeah, I mean, and, and I like, but I frankly, but Iowa proved it is the point. Iowa yeah. has proved it against them. Yeah, and they've done they've they've gone to work. Workman's like attitude. Yeah, they haven't blue collar by a win yeah. against struggling yeah. teams. They they have just uh, you know rolled over them. That's what good teams do. Yeah, that's what good teams do. You know, so so gosh, you know, buckle up. It, it could get ugly. Um, you I mean, know. I mean, and it, and it goes to to show that that when you're playing these other teams that are a little more inept, their defense has gotten going too. I mean, they, yeah, they've got they, they've held of, them to very low, that, to a touchdown in each of those games. They they held their opponent too. And that's because they're getting pressure and they're getting turnovers. Yeah, I mean, so and they, they of, do like like you know Iowa teams of the past. They have some studs on defense. In fact, they probably have more um, highly rated defensive players than they have offensive players. Yeah. Uh, so, weren't you telling me that? Um, I guess it was from James Franklin's press conference that uh, he highlighted the fact that Iowa's defense has what the they, most they've interception. Led, they've led the nation in interceptions since 2017, which doesn't bode well if you're a Sean Clifford, <laughs> but True. more importantly, doesn't doesn't bode well for a breaking in a new quarterback uh, starter either. Um, and I th- what what so so did um did Will Levis start any games for us last year? He started the Rutgers game. So he started the Rutgers game last year, and and that was because of an injury to to Sean Clifford. This is this will be Will Levis's first start that isn't due to injury. So it's more like here's your opportunity totally. to be a starting quarterback. 
Um, this is his opportunity to seize it. But really, it's like, what did he do the last time he started against a Big Ten opponent? And by the way, again, Rutgers. And Andy, what did he do? He did not. not he didn't did he look go- great. Uh, if I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go back and look at at uh, the game. But um, while you're he, talking, I'll see if I can pull up the stats real quick. I mean, I just remember him. I just remember Penn State against Rutgers last year, really struggling to get anything going. You know, it's just like we were looking for after having you know that that difficult Minnesota uh, game, just sort of like you know, having a palate cleanser. I, I can't I think it may have been after um, the Michigan State game where we had a good game and just like, okay, look, let's just let's just watch the team play pretty well. And then just they felt like they didn't. Okay. Well let me just break it down oh, for you. So <laughs> and I've clearly forgotten this game since um we won twenty seven to six, which you know, that's yeah. a win. That's certainly a win, but we should be beating Rutgers sixty five to negative twenty. Like yeah, that's right. how bad Rutgers was last year. They were two and ten, and we were ten and two in the regular season. But um, I'll tell you what. Guess what the score was at halftime? Um, Seven not... to three. Yeah. Guess what the score was after th- the third quarter? Thirteen to three. Yeah. So we really and then we scored two touchdowns, and they capped it off with a field goal. We won twenty-seven to six. But Will Levis. Was eight of fourteen for eighty-one yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Right, but he also had one hundred and eight rushing yards, and so did Journey Brown have one hundred and three rushing yards, and he and Journey Brown had three touchdowns. Journey Brown was the savior, basically. Of the yeah, day. yeah. So I just remember, but like, I mean, the passing game it was, was not and atrocious. I, yeah, and I felt like they weren't really trying to get the passing game going, which is. With like, with Levis at that game, but it was just like uh, the running game wasn't going. What better either, team to try and get it going? I again. know, but anyway, we don't have attempts. to. I'm sorry, the, I apologize. The, you know, this is last year's podcast against Rutgers. Yeah. If we had had one, if we. But I mean, the fans deserve to recall with us the ineptitude of the of the passing attack with Will Levis against Rutgers. So you really, really. Well, hope. he had uh, he had better numbers um, this past week against Nebraska. So no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, which, I don't which, think that he's more promising. Yeah, I don't think that he's like that bad of a passer. Ne- I'm not even necessarily saying that. I'm just saying, you know psychologically from hit from his standpoint that was the last time he started a game think about that you know what i mean yeah. so well so let's hope that he has progressed from then mentally emotionally psychologically yes um you know but but all that to say um because he's got defensive backs that's what it, in right. He's got defensive backs in Joe Corner. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly, or it might be Kerner, and and uh, Riley Ross. Between the two of them, they have five interceptions, and Riley Ross returned one of them, 51 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so you know, and and um, Iowa plays. Uh, you know, they play a zone defense. Um, Franklin, you know, indicated that that you know that allows them to keep the whole team keep their eyes on the ball. He thinks that's one of the reasons why they have interceptions, which which means you've you know you've got to have accurate passing and make good decisions. And yeah, so it's going to be a real test in the passing game. Can we play a clean game there and avoid those kinds of turnovers? Well, it would be nice to be able to pick apart a zone. Uh, you know, passing defense the way other teams pick apart our zone passing uh, yeah, defense. Yeah, that would be nice. Do we? How many? How many? How many deep defensive backs have interceptions for us this Not year? Not too many. 
maybe I mean I don't I don't have those numbers in front of me, but it's I don't. Not been I, a big I, year I doubt, for interceptions. I doubt, I doubt we have two defensive backs with five interceptions between them. About we have two with multiple interceptions. Do we have? I mean, yeah. So I, you know, I, in addition <laughs> to that, they they we're not they trying to rip on our defense too much, but. <laughs> They they complement um, you know their secondary with a really really uh, stout um, defensive line. Uh, they've got well, their two defensive tackles. Yeah, man. Yeah, their tackles they got are Zach, Va- are big Zach time. Van Valkenburg, which is in the lead the lead awesome for name. one of the best defensive tackle names I could think of. Um, Van Zach, Zach Van Valkenburg has three and a half sacks on the year, and Davion Nixon has three sacks. That's from so, their tackles. Usually, those guys are just, just their tackles. Those yeah. guys are usually just sort of like holding down the fort in the middle of the line. But no, they're breaking through. They're beating their blocks, what's, and they're what's weird harassing the quarterback. What's weird is you know their tackles are getting sacks for them. Our you know defensive linemen typically don't aren't racking up sacks. Our defensive ends ha- are have like. Like Jason Owe has a ton of tackles. I think he's had like two games with double digit, excuse me, double digit tackles so far this season. That's unheard of for a defensive end. Yeah, because usually they're playing. Yep, all over the field. He's chasing down people from behind. You know, like so. Our, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's. I'm glad that the statistic exists that he's making tackles, but that's. You shouldn't have a defensive end be making that many tackles. Yeah, he should uh, be he should be working on uh, beating guys around the edge or doing twists up yeah. the middle and, and harassing the quarterback, which right. he's not getting to the quarterback. Right. Nor is Shaka yeah, Tony. You know, we don't. We just our, our own not, defensive ends haven't been getting to the quarterback as much as these as defensive Iowa's tackles. tackles ha- right. Yeah. So, so 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 it's going to be a real test um, for our offensive line, a real test for Will Levis, a real test for. Um, uh, you know, the run game and and also the offensive coordinator, you know, as we have said, we have been getting uh, a lot of yards out of this offense, just not a lot of points, um, certainly not enough. But this is going to be a different, probably the most uh, challenging defensive uh, team that we have faced all season outside of Ohio State. Uh, we might be getting a better effort uh, defensively from – uh, this Iowa team, I almost anticipate it just because they uh, I, I just Kirk Ferentz is a veteran coach. He is going to he's going to dissect our weaknesses. Now, I'm not saying Ryan Day can't do that and his coaches can't do that. I just I, Iowa has a knack for figuring things out like this and playing tough football. You know, I think we're going to see a close game. Um, uh, here with with what the defensive effort is going to allow this offense of ours to do. The, the guards are going to be hard to come by, and and our defense is going to have their hands full for sure. So yeah, so you know now that we've built up Iowa as this uh, incredible team, uh, <laughs> you know uh, we got to you know try to talk through you know, what does Penn State need to do. Okay, how. How uh, are, are we as a team who is 0-4, who showed flashes here and there but has yet to put it together, things really haven't clicked yet, and we're facing a team that is not going to make mistakes and is going to feast on any mistake that we make, which have been plentiful so far this season, what are we going to need to do if we're going to, A, be competitive, and B, come away with a win? Well, before we even get into the keys of the game, really – um, I, I just got to say, you know, our, our coaches need to have this team ready to play when that 
kick is kicked off in the first quarter. Like there is just four weeks in a row of not being able to step up to the plate and play football right out the gate is just killing this team. It's killing this team. It's killing the momentum that that could be there. It's killing the mojo on the sidelines. We're just seeing dejected sidelines. If there's no energy on that sideline, it's just it's hard. You saw with with Will Levis making some plays um, this past week against Nebraska. It, it got the sideline juiced up. It got the defense on the sideline. I saw like Shaka Tony jumping around, getting all energized. Like if we have have energy, we have to keep that energy going. If we lose all that energy with back to back scoring drives, um, you know, uh, <laughs> with with. Iowa scoring 14 points right out of the gate. You know, that's just going to be demoralizing to this team because it's going to be like, oh no, here we go again. This is just who we are. This is what we do. And we're not capable of playing big time football against big time opponents for some odd reason. And yeah, I think everybody's the, just going to turtle head. Yeah, I think the first way to flip the narrative is the defense in particular comes out and plays tough and plays clean and gets a a three and out or a stop, you know, with you know, a couple stops without letting them score points, give the offense a chance chance to find their rhythm. Uh because, you know, as we offense found some rhythm last week. Right. The defense needs to find rhythm. Not just take this uh drive off, take that play this drive t- tough. Like complimentary football means you know, three phases playing as, you know, one team and playing off of each other where like where where momentum is being gained, you have to continue that momentum if you want to win games. Yeah, I mean, so like for the last three games, we've basically spotted the opponent 14 points right out of the gate. It's 14 to 21. Points. You know, and <laughs> and yeah, so so it's as we've said, this defense is going to play tough. They're going to be really, really hard to get yards against. They're going to be hard to get points against. And playing from behind uh, against an Iowa team with the way our offense is still trying to figure out how to score points is just its just not going to happen. So I, I absolutely think that that is crucial um, you know, against this offense, which is um, – pedestrian in some respects, but as we've seen the last two games, Iowa has put up big, big scores. Um, they've just run over people. They've ground them down uh, to nubs. I mean, you have, a, you have a power running game. It can take the will to survive out of another team. You know, it just... It's if they if you hold on to the ball for six minutes, just five yards, seven yards, ten yards, and then you're breaking tackles, and you bust one loose for twenty one yards and score a touchdown. Like <laughs> there's there's nothing more like it, it's one thing to have like an eighty yard touchdown, you know, scored on you. It's another one. It's another thing to have you know a thirteen play drive scored upon your defense. Yeah, and then for your the offense third goes time out in go, a row. Yeah, and <laughs> right. then your offense goes out and has a three and out, and then your defense has to go back out there. Like, yeah, it's just a it's just total a, a snowball. Dejecting. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. so yeah, this the defense is going to have to play absolute lockdown tough from the from the opening kick. You know whether we receive the ball first. And historically, or we... we've played this way against an Iowa. We've gotten up for Iowa. Like this is the type of team that that gets the best from us and we get the best from them and it's like i said it's a it's a it's a a perfect test in the midst of a perfect storm they are like the penn state of the west sort of yeah the midwest yeah yeah of of the west division is what i mean Uh yeah Uh, yeah 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 
Um, so, you know, maybe not so much since James Franklin has taken over in terms of the workman's like attitude so much. We've been a little bit more of a, um, 50, 50 ball type, you know, RPO, uh, yeah, a little more spread D. concept and stuff. Yeah, like that. But, but, you know, it, historically speaking, blue collar, yeah. like, you know, rural, yeah. you know, more cows than people, right. you know, right. kind of thing, right. exactly. more corn. More, you know, more and, and a tenured than, coach, yep, tenured yep, coach. Huh. You know, so so there's some parallels between Iowa and Penn State, and then there's just something about the way these two teams have played each other historically yeah, speaking. It's, it's just it's just a gritty game. It is. It's, it's a, like it definitely it's almost, is a cross division rivalry kind of feel. I mean, it, well, it's like it's almost like when the Steelers play the Ravens in terms of how hard these teams yes. start hitting each other. Yeah, right. You know, that, you just get this like sense of it's a prideful game. Yeah, we're and, tougher and than you, and let us prove. Yeah, it. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. That'll come out. I, I'm hoping it comes out. I, I, hope I would. It, I would it pulls it. it out of this Penn State Nittany Lions yeah. team. Yeah, the pl- play with some pride, right? Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah. So absolutely, defense has got to be. Um, you know, ready from the beginning because Iowa is not going to sleep on us. They're they're going to give us their best. They are going to want to kick us when we're down, and they won't mind doing it. They'll ready. They'll stomp all over us, and then you know, kindly shake our hands and say thank you for a good game at the end of I mean, it. Yeah, you know? yeah. They 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 know we're talented enough to to beat them. Let's put it that way. And and they they literally like right now they know it. Yeah, they know they, it. They're as not they're going to bed tonight. So no. Um. So uh. You know, I think so. That's the defense and um. You know, we could easily lose this game in the first 10 minutes like we have the last few weeks if the defense uh, plays the way they have. But if we get a a better defensive effort, uh, there are a couple of things that we're going to need to see on the offense. And and, and one is one that we did start to see last week, but it'll be a much tougher uh, test uh, this week is the the getting the run game going, uh, especially with the running backs. And can we get positive yards? We're not going to get probably the six yards per carry that we saw that we're seeing out of Iowa. But if we can get, you know, four solid yards per carry and then, you know, break a longer run here and there from time to time, that's going to be really, really important for us um, to, to take the, uh, the burden off of uh, Will Levis and, uh, you know, make Iowa respect our ground game. I, we, we saw, not just Will Levis running the ball a lot last week. Um, we saw three running backs. Um, you know, Devin Ford played a lot last year, but he didn't get the lion's share of the carries last year, but he is the lion's share of the carries running back this year. And But the, the two guys behind him, the true freshmen, that have been thrust into the spotlight with the exodus of, uh, unfortunately, um, Journey Brown with his medical condition and Noah came with his injury on the third or fourth carry of, of the season. Um, we don't have the the savior of Noah Kane against Iowa this year, which he literally was what got us out of the jam. He he was his game against us last year is what is what um it was his coming out party essentially against a tough opponent. We need a running back against Iowa to really grab the bull by the horns and prove that they can get tough yardage against stout defenses, break a tackle here and there. Get, just we're, we're going to need that. I, and you know, I Will wonder Levis, if it's... If it's Will Levis, so so, so be it. I was thinking that but, too. Yeah, if it's Will Levis, so be it. Like, it, we need a win. Right. Like, but all at the same time, deck. we mentioned, you know, Kevon Lee, 230 He's, pounds. He is a large, 
large young man. Put these guys in the correct position. Yeah, I, it'd be interesting know, if he could have wise. a breakout game and 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 use his, uh, you know, frame and toughness. Uh, you know, we haven't had a two hundred and thirty pound back since Larry Johnson. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> What's his height too? I don't remember how tall. Well, that's Kevon not true. Is. I, th- I think Tony Hunt was about two thirty, but um, uh, he's six foot. Uh, Kevon Kevon Lee's six foot. Yeah, so he's not Florida. He, he's not Keziah Holmes is got the speed on the outside. Devin Ford, you know, he's just he's solid. He's not. I don't think I, he hasn't proven himself to be the. Um, you know, he's not a tackle he, breaker at this point. He hasn't proven himself to be a tackle breaker at this point. So we got to find ways to scheme these guys properly against, um, mm-hmm. you know, their Iowa's based defense to to really bust loose and 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 hold hold onto the bar, ball a little bit. Yeah, give our defense the breaks that they're gonna need against this offensive. Uh, Iowa. And I think, you know, getting positive yards and staying, you know, on schedule too, uh, you know, because the way this Iowa defensive line is um, configured, like if we get third and long, you know, third and eight, third and 12, like they're just going to, they're going to, it's going to be ugly. They're going to tee off. They're going to tee off. And, um, you know, so, so we need to really focus on getting positive yards, not getting dropped with that and, stinking and, RPO and, and four yards behind yeah. the line because you're just well, staring down well, to the end and not making a decision. Here's the other end of that. Here's the other end of that, like, you know, trying to stay on schedule is uh, when you're trying to fight for that tough yardage, hang on to the ball. Uh, yeah. Hang on to the Because I was that opportunistic type of defense that – Momentum is yep. gonna and be on their side. They'll put their side. helmet on the ball. They'll swipe and rip at it. You better protect yeah. the ball when you're going through the the you know the yep. middle of that defense. So we need Kevon Lee and Kaziah Kaziah Holmes to to really step up to the plate when they're given the opportunities. Yeah, these uh, are true and, freshmen, you know. And so yeah. you know, I I will but, say, but hey, it is what it is. It, it is, is what, what it is. It is. Well, I, I don't just, care what year they are. They they it, it this moment demands. Their best, absolutely. I, I was just, you know, what I was about to say though is like when they have the ball and they're going through the the middle of the D, I'm like a little anxious because you know, oh, like same. Even with Will Levis as true freshman, it's like hang on to that ball, like you know, and they have right. They're, they're, yeah. I think the running backs have not coughed the ball up. Um, that's not been a problem, but they're going to need to be, you know, particularly uh, sharp on that on that count. So we also. Need to see from our starting quarterback, who we assume will be Le- Will Levis, um, crossing our fingers, hoping to die. Yeah, I think, and I think he'll give a spark. But we got to see more of the same from him in the passing game, um, and just quarterback play in general, where it's confident, decisive, and when it's time to throw the ball, it's accurate. And um, you know, this is a team that's ready to you know feast on an inexperienced and inaccurate quarterback. And, um, you know, Will Levis, I, I do think the passing game is going to be crucial, whether we throw it 30, 50, 60 times like we have the last few games, or, you know, if we have a more conservative run-focused uh, approach and just a supplement with a pass. Either way, the pass is going to be crucial. If we're going to well, score points, the pass is going to be crucial, and it's going to have to be uh, up to Will Levis. Uh, to take care of the ball and make those It's going to be up to Will Levis to take care of the ball, but it's going to be up to Kirk Shiraka to put his quarterback in the best situations possible in terms of play calling. Yeah. And yep, and yep, he yep. he has to learn real quick 
what Will Levis, Will Levis is good at from a passing standpoint. And he needs to learn who, <laughs> you know, what routes are, are his best throws, you know, tailored for. I think that's a great and, point because he's, he's been scheming for Sean Clifford all season. Right. 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 Well, so, so yeah. So, so look, um, Sean Clifford threw eight passes last week. I think what five were completed, three or five were completed, Don't something remember. like that. I the point, the point is, he only had thirty-four passing yards, thirty-four, thirty-five passing yards, and guess who didn't light up the scoreboard last week? Jahan Dotson. Right. He so so when Will Levis came in, he didn't get the ball to Jahan Dotson, who basically every game this season has lit it up. So it, they better with the first, you know, now that Will Levis has had the first, hopefully had the first team reps this week. <laughs> you sure hope so. Yeah. I sure do. I hope that <laughs> Will Levis and Jahan Dotson can get that chemistry going. And I hope that um, Kirk Schrock is figuring out ways to scheme Jahan Dotson open in these zone passing defenses. You know, and, 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 and you got to be careful, Will, and you got to be careful, Kirk, not to to you know look past the defender that's just right, right. there in your throwing lane Not ready to pick off either. one of your passes. So well, you know, I I will say um on the plus side, we finally uh you know got some big passing plays out of Pat Fryermuth last week and um you know, so that's got to keep going too. And Get in the end zone, big man. <laughs> right. Uh you know, and I just I want to say very continue to be pleasantly uh, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but just really excited to see these two freshman wide receivers, uh, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith, uh, really making their mark. And you know, oh, speaking of Keandre Lambert Smith, was demoted the second, not demoted necessarily, but like Daniel George is and now. Daniel George had a good that. game last last week too. Yeah, I don't he, think I he mean, had a ton of catches, time. but it's about he, time. He, he made some clutch. He moved the sticks. Yeah, he moved the sticks, made some clutch catches. And, um, you know, so. And I don't think that's necessarily that Keandre isn't good enough, but I think that there's been some problems with some of the other receivers, uh, you know, whether it's technique or drops in practice or whatever, that has elevated Keandre as a redshirt or as a true freshman, excuse me, to that starting role. Um, and Cam Sullivan Brown has not been made available. Um, yeah, he's basically, been totally I, I absent. Know, I don't know what the heck the deal is with that, but basically these freshmen have had to be thrust into the limelight. But now Daniel George is kind of coming in here, and he's able to make some plays. And we're really crossing our fingers that he's able to be, you know, well, they, more of a, a staying power with yeah, with yeah, being reliable because be he's a big body. We need some big bodies. Uh, yeah, we receiver. definitely do. Well, not to not to take away from Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson because you know they're they're incredible athletes. They made cr- incredible catches and they're productive. But you still need to challenge some of these. You have to, you have that that mismatch challenge out there somewhere to take advantage in some plays. Because when you're throwing fades into the end zone and you only have um, Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington out there catching those fade passes against similarly um, tall defensive backs. That's not good. You're not going to win those 50-50 balls as easily when your shorter receivers are trying to outmuscle for position. Well, look, I you know, I think you know p- part of the 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 bigger picture here is that our our receivers are actually turning out uh t- t- better than advertised. Yeah, and you know, particularly if if Will Levis can uh continue um you know, making those connections that he seemed to be able to make against Nebraska until we got into the red zone, um, that'll be positive. We really need that. And we really need that uh, passing game. It's going to be a really important outlet 
um, and uh, complement to our run game. So, um, so that's going to be another uh, another important aspect. Um, you know, speaking of the red zone, Tom, what's yeah. it going to take to score touchdowns when we get inside the fifteen yard line, ten yard line, first and goal? I'll tell you, it, there's a couple things it's going to take. One is we, if we can't do that, we're not going to get wins this season. Better, better play calling along with. I'm not saying it's just better play calling, but it's execution of those plays as well. Better play calling with better execution, and the offensive line has got to block and maintain their blocks and give the quarterback time to throw. And these receivers have got to figure out how to get open. And and it just that that's you can't just you can't point your finger to one thing that is happening wrong in the red zone. It's all of it. It's literally all of it. It, it the you you know you James Franklin said in the in the um, press conference that you know in the red zone it gets harder offensively to call plays to run plays because the defense has less to be concerned with less field to be concerned with you know so you lose all the 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 go routes and all that kind of stuff so it shortens the field and but guess what that's that's the game of football you know like we that's why i said you know with Friermuth when he got tackled on the one yard line i was like oh man this is gonna come back to bite us <laughs> right. luckily luckily it luckily didn't, it didn't. And, and, and even though we <laughs> took a sack on the next play, we got Ford in on the play after that. But it almost felt like we got lucky. Yeah, you know, it didn't. It didn't feel like it was almost just like crossing your fingers, really hoping. But yeah, definitely we, we does got, not. We got it. We got. Doesn't feel. We got to execute. Yeah, we got to execute. The offense. The offense has to execute. Will Levis has to take what the coaches give him, and he's got to go out there as a leader of the offense. And he's got to get them all to play as one team and to execute the game plan and the play as as best as they can. Well, look, because I was not going to give it to no. Him. If 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 we couldn't pull off a win against Nebraska with that kind of red zone performance, um, you know, there's no the we don't have red a, zone. We don't have a prayer against Iowa. We're 123rd in the, I think 123rd, if not worse. In the country, yeah, in red zone offense. Well, look, you're it's an 0 4 team, it's and there's really a lot bad. of things that you're going to be really, really bad at compared to the rest of the country, you know. And so, it's not it's, yeah. okay, yeah. So, so <laughs> in other words, there's no one magic solution for this this red zone fix. It's really a a, a culmination. It's a it's an exasperation uh, of of or I should say maybe an exaggeration of all of the the problems we have, it just is magnified. And so yeah. if we're starting to click in some of those other areas, maybe then we'll also find a way to make it click in the red zone. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and along with that, just, you know, p- making things click, playing clean, I think, you know, the other, you know, big, big Clean up thing the penalties is, and bad yes. <laughs> Clean up the penalties in in untimely situations. And lapses, you know, penalties yeah. and mental lapses. Brandon Smith's, uh, you know, late or yeah, unnecessary, unnecessary roughness, roughness. Late head out of bounds a week before. CJ Thorpe with his whatever he was doing with you know two plays in a row with some of the defensive linemen, like yeah, dude, dirty play kind of thing. Don't and that's not don't, Penn State football either. Please don't. <laughs> 
need we need you we need this team to play as sound as possible because even when we're playing sound football we don't have it together yet so you can't be putting us in the corner any further than we're already putting ourselves yeah yeah that along with just like um you know the the, the mistakes whether it's a, a you know missed block on the part of the um you know offensive line or running back and and guy coming you know untouched to the quarterback or you know the defensive backfield letting somebody once again you know find a wide open spot in the zone for a huge pass play like you know that's the stuff that we just we just we got to clean it up you know we talked about it um last episode um you know, in a lot of ways, it's just about trust. They've got to trust the scheme that the coaches give them. They got to trust themselves to do what their job is in that specific moment. And then they got to trust their teammates who are supposed to cover those other things and not let their eyes drift or not try to go over and, you know, do two things at once and, and leave their spot open. You know, whether it's on offense or defense, they're, you know, we, we got to start seeing these guys trust each other and play together as a unit. And that includes uh, playing within themselves and playing clean without penalty. Yeah. Agreed. Um, we just, uh, we, the, the, the final thing that I will say here is that if uh, another key to the game is making sure that we have our backups ready to rock, whether that's the quarterback, wide receivers, offensive linemen, you know, this is going to be a hard fought, um, you know, hard hitting game. And, you know, yeah, I, I'm not wishing point. it. I'm not wishing it. You know, knock on wood, I, I don't want to see anyone get hurt. But this is the type of game where, where players, you know, are playing their guts out against each other for, you know, for team pride. And um, so Clifford, namely, uh, you know, he's he's got to. He's got to be ready to go at any point in time, both this game and for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, never, we talked about know. it earlier. Like, you know, what's his headspace right now? Uh, you yeah. know, like you said, th- this is a team that's going to be gunning for us. You know, Clifford's going to be knows? carrying the yeah, ball. Who knows? Uh, I mean, who? Will Levis is going to be carrying the ball up the gut a lot. And yeah. Well, what if Will Levis starts poorly? <laughs> right, you know? right. Like, what, what if, what if, like, whatever we saw against Nebraska – you know, a lesser team is not remotely working against a better coach team than, you know, Nebraska in, in an Iowa, you know, they're, they're predominantly, historically speaking, a, a very well coached team with, some, you know, Kirk Ferentz squeezes the most out of lesser, you know, recruits. Uh, he does a better job with with less uh, gets gets more out of less than a lot of other coaches in the country does. So it, it'll be interesting to see if Will Levis can come out and put it all together, or and if, and if he's not, God forbid, Sean, you got to be ready to go, buddy. You know, no one no one's given up on you. We don't. Nobody wanted to see Sean have the season he's having, and least of all Sean, you know, and, and least of all the coaches. So it's he he was he was voted a team captain and a team captain would be ready to rock i would think so hopefully he's he's ready to rock when if if and when the the time comes for him well i, I also hope will levis is ready to rock cuz you know yeah, again I, no assuming doubt. assuming he gets the start um it's going to be a tremendous opportunity for him um and hopefully he doesn't um, and he's a know, sophomore, by the way. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't play with the yips. Hopefully he doesn't, you know, feel like the stage is too big for him and tries tries to, you know, put the whole game on his shoulders and just sort of plays his game. And and um, I I'll be really looking forward to seeing what kind of performance we're going to get out of 
out of Will Levis and and really the team as a whole. It's it's a battle of midway, man. Um, we're halfway through the season. Perfect storm in the battle of midway. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything. We're mixing our metaphors big time. I love it. I love it. Um, There's no rules here. So um, you know this this game is three uh, thirty uh, Saturday afternoon. It's on Big Ten Network. Um, Tom, oh, the weather looks pretty decent, by the way, too. Does it? Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's actually, I know that because um, I'm going to be uh, outside on my patio um, celebrating my wife's birthday on Saturday. Um, Happy early birthday, Eileen! Yeah, she she's um, she, she's going to be uh, you know 35. You're going to say it? No, You're gonna she's, she's going to be okay. 22. No, <laughs> um, no, you know, just got her um, driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh, I married young. <laughs> no, uh, actually, she married young. I was. Uh, I'm younger yeah, than she. You were is, two but, years younger. Uh, no, nah, I'm actually only nine months younger. But we're two two grades, two grades apart. Her. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, so it's it's her birthday. Um, we're having some friends over for some uh, socially distanced uh, outdoor, um, uh, you know, festivities. Uh, festivities. Um, so I'm actually I'm not going to get to see the second half of the game live. Um, so I will be texting you furiously. Yeah, I'm, I prom- <laughs> I promised Eileen <laughs> I would put my phone down inside and turn it off so I wouldn't be. Why don't you just quit the podcast if you're not going to pay attention, huh? <laughs> I. <laughs> what are you not a fan or something? Yeah. So I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll. I'll see. Does the, she even listen to these? Apparently not, because I. <laughs> I already made a crack about her only having listened to two, and she didn't say she anything. She never said anything. It's like a little Easter egg, a little hint to see if she's actually listening. But yeah, my girlfriend maybe listened to one or two. <laughs> I would say, and then it's just like, how much football can, can I? be droned on to yeah well their 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 support for us is in in permitting us the time and space <laughs> to be able to do this and that and it ends there <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's it's quite a lot as it is but um yeah, yeah. uh anyway so yeah happy birthday to eileen um you know i i'm not gonna try to like keep myself from seeing the score but i, I will plan to watch the game um you know after it's over to, to see at just least what by, happened in the second half so google glass Overnight it to you <laughs> and have the game streaming on your brand new. Well, that's glasses. what she's. That's what she's like. You know, she's like, go birthday, go. We're talking about when to have this thing, you know, and it like yeah. the twenty first is her birthday, and and that's when she really wanted to have it. She's like, but are you going to be like just like looking at down at your phone the whole time, and you know, Why I know, you I know how that? this is going to go, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, dude, I'm the type of person. That in multiple weddings, I've been streaming the Penn State game. We've already talked on my about phone. this. Yes. No, no, no. I, but that was, that was one wedding. There's been other multiple weddings. Multiple weddings. Yeah. Multiple. I would do it during a funeral if I had to. I yeah. Would. Well, I'd be that guy. Look, someone, someone else's like, you know, distant relation wedding is one thing. But like my wife's birthday is, a to- you know, that's Fine. it's where, you know. Respect. <laughs> respect. So anyway, yeah. Especially on an 0-4 losing well, streak. Right. I'll, I'll, yeah. If it's just like a top 10 Iowa matchup, you'd be like, babe. You've had a birthday before. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your first one, okay? <laughs> you got one of these every year. Yeah. Oh, what, what is it, time again? <laughs> Penn State football only happens 12 times regular season during the year. <laughs> and that's when my marriage yeah, ended. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, no, it's... <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, family's important. Uh, I, 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 you know, we've got a, we've been married twenty years, dude. Twenty years uh, this this past June. So you know, I was, I was what sixteen or seventeen when you got married. Yeah. 
Wow. So Dang. yeah, it's been a been a while. Um, but you know, it's Penn State football is a big deal for me. But um, you know, my my wife is uh, she 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 takes the top billing. Um, and and she's a game. She's a good sport when it comes to Penn State football. It's oh, po- she loves Penn State football. Uh, she also loves football in general. Yeah. That's, so so you, you got you you married you married up. You may, you know, typically I got I, I got a great catch for multiple reasons. Yeah. One of those yeah. is she loves college football and awesome. she totally loves, you know, watching football t- together with me and and you know our I mean, did she meet Lou Holtz one time? Yeah. Earlier that's, in her life? Yeah, her parents still have the picture of her like when she's like four, with Lou. 14-year-old her and her yeah. brothers with Lou her brother and her sister Lou Holtz. <laughs> it's awesome. That's funny. I I I I was either 14 or 15. And I met Joe Paterno for my like thirteenth or fourteenth birthday. There you like, go. Was, it's a big right, deal. Whatever. That's. Well, I mean, those are two of the most storied coaches in our lifetime. Yeah, no, certainly in, as we're growing football. up. So, well, anyway, um, so so um, yeah, I'll be tuning in at three thirty, but then tuning out at halftime. Maybe we'll have a sense of. <laughs> maybe I'll be well, glad to turn it the, off. Let's but... get on the phone at halftime and just discuss what we got to do for the second half. Yeah. When you leave, and I got to cheer extra hard. That's a great. Yeah, I'll give you all my like cheering strategies. Strategies and and uh, strategies. Andy has been uh, suspended for the second half, and we're gonna have to game plan and yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, but you know, but this is longer than we thought it would be. By the way. Yes, this is un- an unplanned excursion. <laughs> we're out of control. We're under control. Really, it's uh, again. Once again, happy birthday to Eileen. I know you're not yeah. hearing it here. I'll tell you uh, in person on Saturday. But uh, uh, anyway, um, looking also forward to uh, a turning point uh, from this yeah, perfect storm. This would be great. Uh, Th- this week, great if we had a tale of two halves in this in this season. I sure hope so. You know? um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and then uh, we'll look forward to seeing all of you guys, uh, our our uh, faithful listeners next week and we'll talk about what happened and uh until then it starts with i love you it ends when i love with i love you something like that oh my gosh totally did you forget were you gonna forget i was signing off wow i got so wrapped up in that happy birthday weekend plans i luckily your brother is here to you know correct your mistakes let's do what we do all right it starts with i love you it ends with i love you Love you, bro. We are Penn State. (laughs) Penn State. (laughs) All right, till next time, guys. Sloppy. (laughs) All right, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 